From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Later today, Donald Trump will become the nation's 45th president. He is promising to cut taxes, spend billions on infrastructure projects, and renegotiate trade deals. And to do this, he's going to need an economic team, which is still coming together. Yesterday, his pick for Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin had his confirmation hearing. Uh, My biggest concern, and I fully support regulation for banks with FDIC insurance, but my biggest concern is that this regulation is killing community banks. We're losing the commuting banking business. And earlier this week, Wilbur Ross, Trump's choice for Commerce Secretary, answered senators' questions. I am not anti-trade. I am pro-trade, but I'm pro-sensible trade. As Trump's economic team comes together, do we have a better sense of what we can expect over the next four years? With me are two reporters who have been watching the hearings, Sheila Kohatkar with The New Yorker and Jesse Isinger with ProPublica. And Sheila, what have you learned from these confirmation hearings? Well, one thing that really stood out to me is the fact that many of these nominees, at least when you compare them to Trump himself and some of his just sort of extremist, all-over-the-map, contradictory views, they seem sort of reasonable by comparison. I don't know if that was like a trick that he planned intentionally or just comes out that way. But even when you put them next to some of the Republicans in Congress, they are advocating positions that sound a little bit more moderate. For example, Mnuchin, you know, who we just heard from, said that he, you know, he's defending parts of Dodd-Frank, which was sort of a surprise. He made an impassioned defense of the IRS and said they needed more resources, which is totally at odds with a lot of what the Republicans around him have said. So I don't know what that means, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I think that's the headline from the week is that many of them have been utter know-nothings who are utterly ill-equipped to take their positions. But when they do know something about policy or they do know something about the roles that they're going to take on, they're often contradicting Trump. And so we don't really know what is going to happen here. And sometimes they're contradicting themselves. So if we're seeing daylight between what Trump has said he wants to do and what his team says they want to do, where does that leave the rest of us? Well, I think it's a it's a continuation of what's been going on for months, which is we're all sort of on edge trying to figure out what on God's earth Trump is going to do as president. And from day to day, he seems to be switching his positions. Uh, he just made these comments about the Affordable Care Act. It sounded like he was basically advocating for universal health care. And the Republicans on, the, on a parallel track are planning to just rip the whole thing to pieces. So we're all just left confused. But I, I do agree with Jesse that some of these nominees, at least on issues they seem to have studied up on, you know, they, they seem to be thinking about them and trying to learn. And some of what Mr. Mnuchin said did not sound unreasonable. It was not what I was expecting. So what you're describing is like a point of confusion. So I'm wondering, is it more confusing to be the Treasury Secretary or to be a Republican on Capitol Hill or to work in the Trump White House? My sense from watching some of these hearings is that some of these cabinet members are going to be in a bit of an awkward position, frankly. And um, they're probably wondering themselves what is going to happen and how uh, how directly their boss, the president, will be sort of telling them what to do and how much leeway they'll have and how much influence they'll have. You know, I also detected sort of an interesting strategy on the part of the Democrats because they did seem to kind of figure out how to really press some of these nominees on their areas of weakness, which are these vast pockets of ignorance, because many of them are really coming from completely outside of the realms they're meant to be 
in charge of, and many of them don't even believe in the departments they'll be running. So it's very confusing. And the uh, Democrats have done a good job of sort of exposing their ignorance by just sort of battering them with questions about sort of different aspects of policy, and they have no clue. And I thought that was sort of interesting. This is going to be an incredibly wealthy cabinet, uh, and there have been a lot of concerns about conflicts of interest. Do you think that's being addressed satisfactorily? I mean, not, not <laughs> it's really. It's hard to know where to begin uh, with that yeah, question. I mean, so, you know, uh, Mnuchin just forgot about $100 million of assets um, that he had. I uh, was like, oh, whoops, you know, all that property that I own, that also is something that I own. So, you know, and then we really have to find out what Wilbur Ross is going to do with his multi-billions of dollars. I think those things are going to be resolved because they're not going to tell the Office of Government Ethics to go jump off the bridge the way the Trump people did and the Trump organization did. So the real conflict of interest and the real graft and problem is going to be with the president. When you look at the the group of appointees, could this be any more of a really New York-based uh, administration and at the same time so many connections to Goldman Sachs? Uh, yes, it's New York-centric. Um, it's the New York finance and wealth. Um, it's white male, which isn't uh, New York, uh, the people of New York, really. But then you've got the merger with Goldman Sachs, and uh, that's one of the most surprising aspects to me of this administration so far. One that Trump, who has been snubbed by Wall Street, would actually just – take them all on willingly um, after having run against them ostensibly. And then the other from the other side that Wall Street executives, particularly Goldman executives who have always thought of themselves as doing this for public service would just go in willingly to the Trump administration irrespective of all the things that Trump has said and done and just have that all forgotten and surround themselves and put themselves in a position of power. I think that really uh, makes us see Wall Street for what it is and leaves us with no illusions anymore. In the little bit of time that we have left, if you step back and look at what Trump has said and what his appointees have said uh, in these hearings, can, can you detect a philosophy? Do you see a theme of what this administration will be about, Sheila? Well, anti-regulation seems like a very big one. I mean, you have a, a, an incoming labor secretary who is against minimum wage laws, so that's quite a radical shift. Uh, however, some of them are not as anti-regulation as I expected, so um, there's that, and, and anti-tax and more and more tax cutting, which is what we've had for decades now and has not solved any of our problems but they, they do all seem to agree that cutting taxes, especially for sort of very wealthy people and corporations, is going to lead to this sort of magical economic growth, and that has never proved to actually work out. Right. And that's where there may be some clash with Trump, who wants to promise everyone a cookie and a pony and wants to give everybody health care. And the Congress wants to do straight line um, conservative deregulation and tax cutting. And I suspect that that's going to win out and that's going to be the priority. And then Trump is going to be left railing from his tower on Twitter. Jesse Isinger is a senior reporter at ProPublica, and Sheila Kohatkar is a staff writer for The New Yorker. Thank you both for joining. Thanks. Thank you. And I'm Charlie Herman, and this is Money Talking from WNYC. 